number five, please. Isaiah chapter number five. And it's been a joy to be here. It always says I've come to know and love your people and appreciate Brother Randy. My, what a, what a wonderful pastor you have. And uh, a man that loves God, loves his people, and loves souls. And you can't beat that for a triple hitter right there. Good to see visitors tonight. Thank you for coming. I appreciate visitors. I do. Amen. They make this crowd look a lot prettier. I'll tell you that right now. And so thank you for coming, folks. Let me encourage you. Uh, pray for Sunday. You say, Brother Mark, I invited somebody. They did not come. I want to encourage you. Uh, invite them tomorrow. Give them a phone call or swing by the house. I had a meeting some years ago, and uh, we had a good revival. We had 14 people saved. Ready? The pastor called me Sunday night late. He was excited. He said, Preacher. I said, Yep. He said, uh, you sitting down? I said, no. He said, this morning, we had 12 more people saved. That's revival right there. Yeah. So you say, I invited somebody. Invite me again. Uh, I'll use that word again. Uh, the word is nag. Okay. Yeah. And you women know what that means. That's right. You too. But uh, I married a one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't, you don't quit. God, I wish Christians were as, were as persistent as some women are about something. They don't let you forget. They keep bringing it up, keep bringing it up. And eventually, we think it's our idea, and we do it. Yeah, we're so dumb, but thank you for coming tonight, and thank you for this great, great church. Look in your Bible, Isaiah chapter number 5. I'll begin reading with verse number 13. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 13. Isaiah is called the Gospel of John of the Old Testament. It is full of gospel. It is full telling people how they can know for certain they're going to heaven. Isaiah chapter number 5. By the way, Isaiah is full of prophecies and pictures of Christ. If you read that Bible, you know your Bible. If you read Isaiah, you find Christ on almost every page being pictured, prophesied, or in a type. Look in your Bible, Isaiah chapter 5, <coughs> verse number 13. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished. Their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, has enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their, <coughs> and, me, <coughs> their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he that rejoices shall descend into it, and the mean man shall be brought down, the mighty man shall be humbled, as the lofty shall be humbled, but the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. I want to preach that on this subject, the devil's dynamic development of damnation. A few years ago, I was in a church uh, in, in Rancho Temecula, California, and the church back then when I was there, written about the town, in fact, the town had 13,000 people. Today, I understand that town has about 350,000 people. Places across America are growing, multiplying, and spreading, but I believe with all my heart tonight, the greatest growth is not in the prowling suburbs of some great metropolitan area. It's in a place called, the Bible calls, hell. The Bible says, hell has enlarged itself and opened its mouth without measure. Tonight, I'm preaching on that subject, the devil's dynamic development of damnation. Number one, first of all, the provision of God. Let me emphasize immediately, it is not God's will that hell spread out and multiply. It is not God's will. One single person winds up in the fires of hell. As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his evil way and be saved. Your Bible says, God, who would have all men, that includes you, to be saved and come to the knowledge 
of him. My friend, God is not in the business of sending people into hell. God's in the business of getting people saved, but they must turn from their sin and come to him and meet God's conditions to become a child of God. Now, look at, I'm going to read to you again, chapter 5, verse number 1. Isaiah 5, 1. I will sing a song to my beloved, a song of my beloved touching his vineyard, a vineyard is where you grow grapes, touching his vineyard, had the vineyard in a very fruitful hill. He fenced it, gathered out the stones thereof, planted with the choicest vine, built a tower in the midst of it, also made a wine press therein, looked that you bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Here's a picture. God uses a vineyard as a picture of unsaved people. What has God done to try and reach unsaved people? What that man did to his, to his vineyard is a picture of what God has done to try to keep you out of hell. Look at your Bible again. Chapter 5 of Isaiah, verse number 2. First of all, he fenced it. What does he mean? He put a fence around it. What is the purpose of a fence? Protection. My friend, I ask you a question. Tonight you're here. Why? Because God protected you and kept you alive to bring you here to once again hear how to be saved. Uh, maybe, friend, the last time you ever hear the gospel. God has protected you, but my friend, there comes a time when God's patience wears out. There comes a time when God simply slams the door and it's all over. First of all, he put a fence around this vineyard. Number two, he gathered out the stones thereof. Now, in the Bible, stones speak of obstacles. Why you're here tonight, I do not know. Maybe one day you said, I'll never go to a church. Maybe one day you said, I'll never hear in the van. But you're here tonight, see? You're still not a Christian, but God has removed stones. In the Bible, stones speak of obstacles. You're here, God might again speak to your heart and draw you to his wonderful, lovely son. Number three, the third thing God did here is he planted it with the choicest vine. What does God plant in a person's heart that leads to salvation? Being born again, here we go, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. What does God use to get people saved? It's right here. Faith comes by hearing the Bible says and hearing by the word of God. Wait. On Judgment Day, when you stand before God, a Bible will be right there. Jesus said, the words I've spoken unto you, they are life, and the same, the same Bible, the same word will judge you at the last day. Understand that, friend. On Judgment Day, you stand before God, heaven and hell hang in the balance. You're not judged by what a preacher said. You're not judged by your opinion. The Word of God will be right there open, and you'll be judged from the pages of the Word of God. What else has God done, my friend? It says, <clears throat> He built a tower. What's a tower? A place of observation. Can I tell you something? In this area, the most important thing in the eyes of God is what happens right here. All heaven is watching. The Bible says when somebody gets saved, heaven rejoices. It says God, God rejoices. It says Jesus sees it to the of his soul and is satisfied. What's that big statement mean? When somebody gets saved, man, Jesus said that was worth dying for. Amen. When somebody gets saved, all heaven rejoices. And sometimes, come on, I know you Baptists. Oh, brother, let's get out of here. We'll be last in line at the cafeteria. You know, yeah, wait, wait. Every time somebody gets saved, it's somebody's relative, somebody's friend, somebody. The Bible says, rejoice with them that rejoice. My friend, may we get excited and blessed and happy when somebody walks down the aisle and gets saved. What else do we have here, my friend? It says, he put a wine press. What's a wine press do? They put the grape wine press, it crushes the grapes, and the juice flows out. In the Old Testament, it says this referring to Christ, he said, I have traveled the wine press 
On the cross, Christ was crushed in God's winepress. The blood flowed down. The sweat flowed down. As he hung on that cross, why? Here's your Bible. Who his own self, that means alone. Why? Nobody else could do it. He was the only sinless person who his own self alone bore our sin in his body on the tree. On Calvary, as the grapes were crushed, God's son were crushed. Took him off that cross. Oh, my. He had nothing left to give. He gave his life. He gave his blood. He gave his soul. He gave his spirit. Christ gave everything he had on that cross to save you. There's nothing else he can give and nothing else he can do. If you miss heaven, it's your fault and nobody else's, friend. The wine press. One more thought here. Look on down, please. If he looked at to bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Now look on down at verse number four. What could have been done more to my vineyard than I have not done? Think on that, please. God said that. What else could I, Almighty God, what else could I do I haven't done to save you and give you a better life and eventually take you to heaven? God exhausted heaven to try and get you saved. Many years ago in World War II, they were fighting over in Germany. A few men, they're fighting in France. And uh, in one battalion, there were three men. They were just outstanding Christians. Their life was holy, bold in their witness, always helpful to others. The order come to take a certain hill the Germans had dug in out. Head up that hill, the Germans opened fire. One man was shot in the head and died instantly. His friends fought on. They drove the German army back with great casualties. They came back around their deceased friend, and one guy said, wait a minute. Marching up here, we came by a church. Next to that church, there's a cemetery. Let's try and get permission, carry our friend's body back and have him buried in that cemetery. They approached the commanding officer. He said, I think you can. He said, they suffered great loss. They'll kind of recuperate. It'll be two or three days before they counterattack. You have my permission. Your friend was a great testimony for Jesus Christ. They carried the man back. Now, excuse me. They carried the body back. And it just so happened, it was a Catholic church. They went up to the manse and knocked on the door. The priest opened the door. They said, sir, we're Americans. Our friend just died in battle. Our friend was a Christian. He had received Christ. Sir, can we have permission to bury our friend in the church cemetery? He said, was your friend a Catholic? He said, no, sir, but our friend was a Christian. He said, gentlemen, I'm sorry. Church law says if your friend was not a Catholic, he cannot be buried in sacred ground. One man said, sir, I don't want to argue, but our friend was a Christian. Our friend's soul is already in heaven. Can we have a place to be? He said, I'm sorry, you cannot do it and closed the door. One man said, well, we can't bury him in the cemetery. Let's bury him outside the fence around the cemetery. They got their folding shovels, went out. They dug a grave outside the fence. They had a little service, committed their friend's body. They made a little cross out of a couple of pieces of wood and went back up front to fight. About three months, three, about three months later, they're replaced by new troops, and they're walking back. Hey, let's cut across country for the last time, see our friend's grave. Man, they cut across country, back to the church. Uh, they walked around the outside of the fence. They couldn't find a place where the grave had been dug. Couldn't find a place where the cross had been put in the ground. They looked and looked and looked. And pretty soon, back to the manse, knocked on the door. They said, sir, he said, I know who you are. Sir, we have a problem. We did not bury our friend inside the fence. We buried him outside the fence. Can you please help us? He said, I can help you. He said, after you guys left, I go look at the Bible, and I found this book. 
this, this verse. The blood of Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. You said your friend was a Christian. Your sin had received Christ. He said, gentlemen, that worked in my mind. It worked in my mind. He said, what I did, what I did. Right here in my study, I got on my knees. And I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. So I got up and I realized something. Gentlemen, he said, I went outside. I tore down one side of the fence, extended it further, and closed it again. He said, gentlemen, your friend is buried exactly where you buried him. But now he is inside the gate and inside the fence. Friend, if you ever get inside heaven's gates, it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Number one, the provision of God. Number two, the, pow me, the power of the church in your Bible at verse number 13. Now God's talking to Christians. He said, therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their all men are famished. Their multitude dried up with thirst. Notice, Verse 13, he's talking to his people. Look at verse 14. Therefore, therefore, refers back to verse 13. Therefore, because of my people, hell has enlarged itself and opened its mouth without me. An indicting statement on born-again believers. Born-again believers miss heaven. Why? Because Christians don't live right, act right, we act right, witness right. How I live is my business is a total lie. How you live is Christ's business. How you live is that unsafe friend's business. You live like them, act like them, talk like them, cuss like them. And they'll say, not much to Christianity. There's not much to him. God help us to have a concern for people will affect our life and will affect our priorities. Now, there's some things mentioned here. Look at that verse again. Verse 13. Therefore, my people, born-again believers, have gone into captivity. What are you saying, preacher? When a Christian is incarcerated or bound by a habit, he is useless to God. That's right. God looks for clean vessels. And furthermore, as I mentioned a minute ago, the people you work with, if you're just like them, they'll say Christianity is just a Sunday morning farce. That's what they'll say. No, my friend, it's important we live for Christ 24 hours a day. Incarcerated, bound by a habit, bound by sin, Use the same language, have the same attitude. My friend, they'll say, they're nothing real to Christ. <laughs> what a legend he must have been. Oh, what a sad, sad, sad to treat Christ. He's blasphemed because of us. For this cause, the Bible says, the, word of Christ, the name of Christ is among the Gentiles. Why does the Bible say that? The context tells you Christians weren't living right, acting right. It doesn't just say they, they had nothing to do with Christ. No. They blaspheme Christ. Why? Because when you don't live right, they don't say, oh, yeah, look at so-and-so. They say, no, no, <laughs> look at that guy, yeah. Claims to be a Christian, and that contains Christ's name. And after all he's done for you is spit on, drug in the dirt, laughed at, and ridiculed. Oh, help us to exalt the Son in every area of our life. Number one, first of all, the people there in that verse were incarcerated. Number two, they were ignorant. Look at that verse again, verse 13. My people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. You see, my friend, a Christian needs knowledge. Number one, knowledge to live right. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of 
God. You cannot neglect the Bible and live for God. You cannot do it. It's impossible. What soul? Yeah, this is a Baptist church. We know about food. Amen. Yeah, we know about potlucks, man. That, this, that's kind of like a secular communion when you talk about potlucks. Yeah, that's great stuff. No, wait, wait. But what food is to your body, the Word of God is to your soul. Now, how much time do you spend in the Bible? You say, I don't have time. Excuse me, I'm, I, I really have trouble with that, friend. Every day you read the Bible and prayed a total, total of 15 minutes. Way back when I went to school in the late 1800s, 15 minutes was a quarter of an hour, okay? Now, wait a minute. A quarter of an hour, read the Bible and pray. You say, I don't have time. Come on, come on. That would, that, that would cover the commercials on television for an hour, 15 minutes. Yeah, but you don't have time. You have time for television, time for sports, time for a hobby, time for friends. You don't have any time for somebody loved you enough to die for you? What kind of evaluation do you put on Christ? Hear me. Every day, read the Bible and prayed 15 minutes. That much your time that would be? Hang on. A smidgen over 1% of your time. Are you telling me after dying on Calvary, burying your, your sin, going to your hell, my, are you telling me he's not worth 1%? God, help us to get some discipline in our life and spend time in the Word of God. We might be strong in the faith and bold in this thing of witnessing and sharing Jesus Christ. Number one, they were incarcerated. Number two, they were ignorant. Ignorant. Years ago, I was preaching in uh, a, a town across the river from St. Louis. The chairman of the big deacon board took the pastor, his wife, and I out to lunch, and we're crossing the river, the bridge, and I said, Sir, I said, when did you get saved? Oh, man. He choked. He sputtered. He said, I never talk about that. Never talk about Here's a man, head of the deacons in a Baptist church, saying, I never talk about that. The early church talked about it. Hang on. In the early church, the deacons were soul winners. And here's a guy, chairman of the deacon board, saying, I never talk about Jesus Christ. The man probably was not saved. It's, it's more than a song. Let's talk about Jesus more and so number one, first of all, they were incarcerated. Number two, they were ignorant. Number three, they were emaciated. Now, what does that mean? That means they had no strength. Look at that verse again. It's all right here. They have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished. Now, what does it mean when you're famished? You haven't eaten and you're weak, okay? I'll say it again. Unless you spend time in the Bible, you'll be a pushover for hell. You'll be the laughingstock of hell. You can't live for Christ on your own. That's why he put the Holy Spirit inside you. That's why he gave you a Bible to read and study. It's so important. It's urgent. It's necessary that you read the Word of God. Uh, my grandfather lived next to us when I was growing up. Wonderful man. Now, Grandpa was a great hunter, tremendous fisherman. He could fix almost anything. But he told me in his entire life, growing up, he went to school for days. Days. That's, that's all. When Grandpa went to school, it was not required back then. He grew up on a farm. He worked on the farm his whole life. And so uh, one day, when he got up in years, I'd go see him every day. I walked in. I said, hey, Gramps, how you doing? Oh, my. His eyes became all wet. His lips trembled. He said, son, I'm, I'm doing okay. But I think old Tabby's about to die. Now, Tabby was Grandpa's cat. 
Grandpa's wife had died several years earlier. He'd had that cat a long time. And of course, that cat meant a lot to Grandpa. Hey, I said, Grandpa, what's wrong with Tabby? He said, I, I, I don't know. I said, I'll go check, okay? With my keen scientific computer-like mind, I went out and made a thorough investigation of the situation. Now, here's what I discovered. Grandpa could not read. He went down to the grocery store. He saw those bag, ba bags and boxes and cans of cat food. Now, because Grandpa could not read, he got a 10-pound bag of kitty litter. Now, he brought it home. He thought it was cat food, put it in the cat's dish, poured milk on it. Friend, can I share something with you? Tabby was not really excited about eating milk-soaked kitty litter because the cat had not eaten in four days. It could just barely walk. Hey, I know Christians just as dumb. I do. Yeah. You live on the litter of the world and can't give 1% to Christ. I wonder why I'm defeated. The Word of God's not in your life. I wonder why I can't witness. The Word of God's not in your life. Everything in the Christian life depends on the Word of God. Reason number four we find here. What else? My friend... It, we find that um, they were impoverished. They were poor. Poor spiritually, not physically. No, they had money, but they were impoverished. They, wouldn't, or they were useless to God. I preach in Montana a lot, and I enjoy that. I do. The churches are small, but the people are, are wonderful people. Of course, out there, everybody is a hunter or a fisher or, or the wife of a hunter or a fisher. That's it. Man, they are. They are. Uh, that's the real Wild West, and it's still there. It is. But I was out there preaching, and I, I, I heard a, a sad story. Christmas vacation was coming up for the kids to get out of school. And there were two young men that went to that school. And uh, they're good young men, but they got in some kind of trouble. Not jail trouble, but they got in trouble at school. And their parents did the right thing. They said, okay, Christmas vacation, you guys cannot see each other. Stay away from each other. You can't be seen together during Christmas vacation. So they kind of got around to find mom and dad behind their back and said, hey, I'll tell mom I'm going to Jerry's house and spend two or three days. And uh, you tell your mom and dad the same thing. He said, I'll have the Jeep. We'll go up in the mountains and we'll have a sleeping bag and just camp out. Okay. They hopped in the car, head up the hill, up, up to the mountains in, January, in December, actually, the car slid off. They couldn't get it back on. One guy said, well, I'll tell you what, uh, let's separate. There's got to be somebody up here somewhere, because I saw some tracks. He said, I'll go this way, you go this way. Okay, they separated. And one young man, he had, he had a phone. He kept trying to dial home, trying to dial home, trying to dial home, and pretty soon someone answered. Daddy said, I'm up here at a certain location. The car went off, can you come and help me? He said, son, sure, I'll come up there. And uh, he hung up the phone. Dad came up, got him out of the ditch, said, son, get in the car and follow me back to town. Okay. Four years later, four weeks, I'm sorry, four days later, with tears, he said, Dad, I should have told you, but Bill's up there. What? They got a search party. They went up. They said, oh, they found Bill. He walked in a circle, time and time and time and time again. And pretty soon, hypothermia fell, and he fell in the snow and lay there and died. Why? He was abandoned by a friend. Hear me, hear me. I know something a thousand times worse, friend. You let your friend die and go to hell. Never warn him. Never witness to him. And you claim to be a friend. What a sick friend you are. 
Friends don't let friends go to hell without trying to get them saved. Oh, we're playing a game. We're playing a game. Wake up. Wake up. Today in America, you're probably the only Christian somebody knows. If you fail, nobody will come off the bench. Nobody will take your place. God give us such a burden that we'll be bold in our witness. Instead of someday standing at the, stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we stand there watching them before they're cast into hell. Whew, man, I blew it. And then you feel something. And you look. And their blood is dripping from your hands. That's Bible. If we fail to warn people on Judgment Day, as they're damned, we set back there safe and secure in Jesus, yeah? Friend, it's not a game. It's reality. And please, be a friend to your friend. Give him a track. Give him your testimony. But put some kind of a roadblock up to keep him out of the fires of hell. Number three, and I'm through, the progression of damnation. Hell is growing. That's what that verse said I read. Hell, verse, verse number 14. Hell has enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. Read further if you want to. Their glory, their multitude, their pomp, he that rejoiceth shall ascend into it. The mean man shall be brought down. The mighty man shall be humbled. As of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment. And God that is holy... <clears throat> shall be sanctified in righteousness. There are no, what's that verse say? There are no macho men on judgment day. I witnessed to an idiot one time. He said, buddy, if there's a God in the judgment, I'll walk up to God and cast, cuss him to his face. That man's ignorant, ignorant. On judgment day, every mouth will be stopped and the whole world will become guilty before God. That is judgment day. But thank God you don't have to stand there lost. Christ loved you. He died team. God was full of the world, that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him shall perish everlasting life. Why? By trusting Jesus Christ. Imagine I become sick. I go to the doctor. He said, well, we'll run some tests. He said, come back and Come back in a week. I'll be glad to see you. So I come back in a week and sit there five hours, and he was glad to see me. Amen. So I was sitting there. The doctor says, come on in. Got this strange look on his face. He said, uh, I don't know how it happened, but somehow you have a very strange disease. He said, in the history of medicine, he said, you're only the third person to ever get this disease. He said, now, to this disease, there's no cure. I said, no cure? He said, wait, there's one. But to get that cure is such rare ingredients. To get that cure costs literally millions of dollars. Do you have that kind of money? I said, no, I don't. No, no. That's okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Puts me in the hospital, and uh, I'm in the hospital eating. And four days later, the door opens and walks the doctor. His hair is all shuffled. He hasn't shaven. His clothes are wrinkled. I said, Doc, Doc, what are you doing? He said, Joe, that day after you left my office, I got my son. The last four days, we've been driving and flying all over America. We went to medical assistance groups. 
wealthy people, try to get enough money to get the cure. He said, Joe, I've got good news. Here, I said, wait, wait, who's your son? He said, I was in a hurry to get here. He said, I tried to make it through on a yellow light. A semi was coming, ran through, crushed our car, and it killed my only son. But here's the medicine. Take it, it'll heal you. Imagine I take that vial of medicine. I look at it. With all the hellish hatred I can muster, I rear back. I smash that vial on the floor. The drug rolls across the floor. I look at the doctor and say, doctor, if I die, it's your fault. You say, you'd be a fool. Buddy, after all Christ has done for you, if you go to hell, that's how God described a man in the Bible. Thou fool! Christ has done everything. He's exhausted himself, exhausted heaven to get you saved. But if you're determined to be damned, you can. But a day will come when you'll regret it as you'd ever regret anything in your life. Will you bow your head for prayer? Two questions tonight. Number one, the most important question you're ever going to hear. Don't just say, we've heard it a hundred times, yeah? I said, people in hell heard it a hundred and five times. Preacher, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. I've got some doubts. Or maybe I know I'm not a Christian. I never made that great decision to accept Christ. For the mark, sure I'm on the way to heaven. I sure am concerned about that. I'm no fool. I don't intend to go to hell. But I'm not sure I'm saved. I want you to pray for me. I would be honored. I would be so honored. If you're not sure you're on the way to heaven, and every year I see members of fundamental Baptist churches get saved, I'm never surprised. Hey, let me quote what Jesus said. Many, what's that word? Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? That means witness in your name, and in your name we've cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. Put it together. They knew who Christ was. They called him Lord. They had great theology. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? That means witness in your name. In your name, Jesus, we've cast out devils. In your name, we've done many wonderful works. What does Christ say? Depart from me, I never knew you. Oh, they knew the right words, but they did not know the right Savior. That was their whole problem. Can you point to a time in your life, my friend, when you made that great decision and asked Christ into your heart to be your Savior? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you're here tonight. You say, preacher, I'm not sure. I'm tired of faking it. I'm not sure. I want you to pray for me because either I don't know or I know I'm not sure. Anybody, can I pray for you? I'm not sure I'm a Christian. Let me see the hand. Get it up, back down. When you, my friend, are in hell, all the prayer of the universe cannot get you back. Anybody? All right, your blood's on your own head. Now, I'm talking to Christians. What are you doing to reach a lost world? Have you invited anybody to revival this week? What are you going to feel like sitting back there safe and sound in Jesus? And what's somebody you know and someone you claim to love cast into hell and you never made an effort? With our heads bowed, who will say, Preacher, I am a Christian, but God spoke to my heart tonight. God brought some friends, some co-workers, some relatives, 
some next-door neighbors to my mind. Preacher, I need to get with God's program here. God spoke to my heart tonight in this matter of witnessing and soul winning. Maybe God spoke to my heart tonight in this matter of holy living because the reason you don't witness part of it is you have sin in your life. Who tonight will say, Preacher, God did speak to my heart. Pray for me as a Christian. I might get my life in a proper position and I might be bold as the Bible says, bold as a lion. A lion for Jesus Christ in sharing the gospel. Who can I pray for? Let me see your hand. Up and down. God bless you. Oh, oh, oh. They're all over. They're all over. They're all over. They're still going up. They're all over. God, God bless it. I see it. Put it down, sir. Wow. Wow. Anybody else for a pray? Include me, preacher. Father, thank you tonight for visiting us. And God, I pray for every person that raised their hand. I pray whatever the hindrance might be, maybe sin needs to be confessed and forsaken. Maybe a new zeal and fervor should be put in their life. Father, I'm praying in Jesus' name. In days to come, may men, women, and teenagers walk down this aisle because tonight we want to hinder the devil's dynamic development of damnation. Pour the Holy Ghost out in this place tonight. Sit there, your head bowed, your eyes closed. I'm going to have you stand in a minute. When I do, the instrument's going to play. If you want to come to the altar and pray, do it. If God's calling you here, you can't get right with God there. And your pride is not worth sending somebody to hell for because you won't get right with God. You need to come, come ahead. You want help in the Christian life? Pastor Randy, you'll be right here. Maybe where you are, you just want to sit down and pray. Do it. Do it. But oh, for God's sake and for the sake of a friend, get this thing taken care of tonight. Are we ready? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Come on, stand up. Just stand right up. Stand up. If God's speaking, come on, gather and come on. Come on. Come on. You need to come ahead. Need to get saved tonight? Need to make sure. Come on, come on. Don't just stand there and gamble with your soul. You're a Christian. God dial your number. Get out of there and come on tonight. Come on. Come on. Only trust him. If you're unsaved, trust him. Trust him. Put your faith in him right there, standing right there. Ask him to be your savior. Come on. We can help you. Come ahead. Only trust him. That's all he wants. That's salvation. Trust. Trust. Not believe about trust. Head full of knowledge will damn you. Trusting in him will save you. Anybody? Pastor, God bless you.
Amen. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, folks, for being here. You can look up now, and I want to encourage you, if you would like to talk to someone tonight, after you didn't, maybe didn't feel comfortable coming forward, I know Brother Joe will be glad to talk with you or any of us, and invitation's always open, and I, I would encourage you to act upon that. But let God have his way, and thank you for being here. It's been a great week. Uh, don't, um, don't let it stop. Let's, you know, go review those videos and listen to the Word again. And as I said, it, it can be a very effective uh, uh, witnessing tool that you can um, send that video to somebody. I'm, I'm sure you all know how to do that, but, um, and uh, get it to someone that can watch it. Uh, boy, they, that, that'd be great. So thank you again. God bless you. Have a great night. And uh, let's see, Brother George, if you would dismiss us with a word of prayer. Don't rush out. Make sure you greet one another. God bless.